Well, uh, I titled this week's message, God Goes Viral, and um, this is not a nod to cold and flu season, but rather it's in reference to that phenomenon when, when something happens or in news it just kind of spreads rapidly and exponentially and in all directions, and, and with the you know, invention of the internet and YouTube and all those things, you know what I'm talking about. Some clever little thing that a kid says or a silly thing a cat does, and it's just all over everywhere. And it, it's fantastic. It's funny. And I started kind of going through some videos this week to, to try to find some, and Sherry could attest this. I just sat in bed and laughed all night and never put any in. I'm like, I said, you got to watch this. You know, cats are jerks. They are. They're always knocking stuff off. And, and, but they're hilarious unless they happen to you. But surely you can think of some trends and some things and, and like these videos that, that have kind of flourished this way, that happen and that word goes out so quickly. And, and, um, and, and kind of as a continuation of our current series, I want to talk about this morning about evangelism. Now that's one of those words like, oh, evangelism. That's one of those churchy words. And you kind of maybe hesitate or maybe recoil a little bit and go, oh, evangelist. I'm an evangelist because I don't know about you, but I think of, the bakers and you know the televangelists and those guys or or maybe the people on the corner if you go to the plaza in Kansas City they always you know the world's coming to an end and and all that and I think about that and, and it kind of changes my perspective but evangelism is simply taking God's message and making it viral right taking what we know of God what God says and sharing that and spreading it and letting it go out and perhaps you have an aversion because some of the credibility losses by well-known evangelists that have fallen from grace in the public's eye, right? This happens, you know, and it breaks our heart because we hold these people up on pedestals just like, you know, we shouldn't, but the same way as we do a, a politician or someone famous and, and they let you down. You don't even really know them personally, but you're just like shocked that that's what happened. And when this happens, whether it's a, an evangelist or anybody, even if it's just somebody you know, when, when this person falls from grace, and I don't mean God's grace, I'm talking about society's grace. When something comes out, I want to refer you to last week's message. Remember that? Let's flip the script. And we talked about this mask of perfection that people think Christians have that says, I don't lie, I don't get angry, I don't hold grudges, right? But under the, underneath that, we really do. And... And so, you know, there's a couple dangers in that. There's the, the danger that we think that we're perfect and we're not. Um, or there's danger that people think that Christians should be perfect and they're not. And so we become hypocrites. Or they think that we know that we're flawed and we expect everybody else to be perfect when we can't master it ourselves. And that's not the way it works. So um, I want to refer you back to last week's message if you haven't heard or need a refresher. Because there was some good stuff. Not because... I said it, but because the scripture said it, and I delivered it. And there was some really good stuff about what happens when we let some of our humanity through. And, uh, but more than likely, if you have an aversion to the word evangelism, it's because you think that means you need to be on a street corner with a sign, or perhaps you think that means you need to be knocking on doors and approaching strangers. And these are good examples. They really are. But another example I saw for myself happened last week. I think I already dropped it on the floor. But you guys remember, we were lined up for this parade at, at 8 in the morning. And the gentleman walked up, and he gave us a warm greeting. and made a comment about the, the weather, because it was the first cool day. And, and he handed us a little tract. And, and I don't know what you think of those, and I have no idea what I did with it. Um, well, it doesn't matter. You guys know what a tract is. A little, little um, Bible verse on it. Yeah, a little flyer. Not a whole lot different than the flyers that you know we mailed out. 
And I can't fault him for his effort. You know, we were lined up. He had a captive audience, right? We were number 29, and there was 28, and here was 30. And if you got too far that way, the little Shriners and their cars were going to hit you, coming and going. It was, it was fun. But, um, but he had a captive audience, and everyone was parked in this line with no room to get out. But it takes an extra measure of confidence, doesn't it, to approach a stranger and to talk to them at all, but especially about something as important and as personal as about your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And I watched this gentleman for a moment, and I didn't see anyone out that reject him or, or go as far as confront him. He just went along, and I saw him do still almost everybody he met. But I also imagine the large number of the papers that he gave out, you know, went unread. Did that take away from what he had done? Was that no less important or, or courageous what he had done or obedient? Did it make his intentions any less good? Of course not. And we've asked this question before several times during our morning Bible study. If, if you do something nice for someone else and they, for lack of a better word, squander the gift. If you gave them money and they wasted it. Or you gave them money and they spent it on something else. Or you did something nice, you gave them something and you just saw that it wasn't being taken care of. Does it detract from the goodness of what you intended? It doesn't. If you give to a person or a charity and the money goes um, toward what you hope or intend... Does that make it any less or more generous? No, because it, it, if, if the need is expressed under false pretenses and you answer with kindness, where does the shame lie? Not with you, right? Not with the generous giver. If you've done something with good intentions and, and they have none what you hoped or thought or even what they said they would do, it doesn't make what you did any less impactful or beneficial. And see, evangelism can take many forms. We've talked about these over the past few weeks. You know, experts say that 93% of communication is nonverbal, and that means that your expression, your tone, your body language, and your actions significantly, significantly outweigh the choice of words when you're delivering a message. Now think of some of the things we learned last week and ask yourself this. What is the message of 93% of what I am saying? As you know, I posed a verse in, in a short comment on Twitter on Wednesdays, and this week I posed this question. I said, are you spreading the word and taking God's message viral? Or do more people know what you ate for lunch than where you have your hope? You know, and it, I thought it because I was thinking the same thing. Um, I was going to go, do more people know what I do, you know, in the evenings or, or what I do at work than know what my true core beliefs are? And it's a bit of a convicting question. And, I, and I'm not on Facebook, so I don't... I want to assure you I'm not a picking on you, anybody if, if you posted something grand you had for breakfast this morning. I think it's fantastic. I love food. Um, but, it was, um, but sometimes that question hits kind of close to home. You know, when you, when you look at what's important to you, and the more people know some of these things that are of less value than some of the stuff that are really, really important, even if you don't say, this is what I believe and this is where I go to church and this is, how, uh, this is the reason I have the hope, even if you don't actually use those words, People should kind of know where you stand on these things. And the, the truth is that we have a circle of influence. The people around us, some we interact with, some it's a little more subtle than that. People hear your words, but they also notice how you react and respond to other people in the situations. And, and this is an opportunity for evangelism. Maybe you hadn't thought of it that way. So let's start with some scriptural reminders of why it's important. And from this week's scripture, remember that Sherry read 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
or Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you may think nowhere in that statement does it say that evangelism is the work, or I'm sorry, nowhere in that statement does it say that evangelism is the work that he has prepared for me to do. It doesn't say that that is what it is. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, that I'm supposed to be an evangelist. But he goes on in Matthew 28, 19, and this is the Great Commission. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I add this also from the gospel. This is Mark 16, 15. He said, and this is Jesus, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Okay? In both of those, there's one similar word. Common message, one similar word, and that is go. Does this mean literally go somewhere? Possibly. But maybe it doesn't mean you have to become a missionary in Africa. Maybe go means go across the room and talk to that person. Go down this line of cars and, and greet them and say hello. Maybe it simply means go from here and, and, and do something. Take an action. Go from this place. You know, several churches that I've visited have a sign either above their exit door or outside as you exit the parking lot says, you are now entering the mission field. You ever heard that or seen that? And I want to challenge you to take that perspective this week as you go about your daily life. View it as a life of opportunities to be obedient in, to, the, to the instructions that we just read, which says go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. But what if you aren't formally trained? What if you, what if you stumble with your words? I'm not a good speaker. How am I supposed to deliver that message? But the Bible is filled with stories and testimonies of people just like that. And know that even the Apostle Paul, whose letters and teachings we refer to every week, he wrote these words. This is from 1 Corinthians 1.17. He said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence. Let the cross of Christ be emptied of it, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Let me say that again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, Paul was, he was hard on himself at times. We've seen that. And, but he did understand what was important. And in this passage, he acknowledges that his purpose in this case wasn't to baptize. Rather, it was to share the gospel. And this is a, a purpose we all share. And he acknowledged that he wasn't the wisest or the best speaker. And he was okay because it showed several things. God can and still uses everyone. And God has equipped you just like he's equipped Paul. He's equipped you with all that you need to do his good work. Whatever purpose he has for your life, you've got everything you need in you, right? The testimony and service of the most flawed and the most humble can prove to be the most powerful because people can relate with other people like themselves. To say, you know what, I struggle with this. But God says, do this. And it's a little easier to swallow than if you're looking at someone who's telling you to do something and you think they've got this perfect, perfect life and they've got it all figured out. Even Jesus, who came to serve as an example, faced the same temptations that we did. Same temptations we all do. Now he handled them better. He handled them differently than we do. But that's our inspiration. That's our aspiration for how we should act. Now, God has not specifically called you to personally baptize everyone that you meet. Maybe he has, but maybe he hasn't. But he has, however, called you to share the gospel, the good news, and be prepared to share your own story with everyone you meet. Whether that becomes an affirmation for another Christian, because sometimes that's what they need, right? The strongest believer still needs someone to give them that gentle reminder that says, you know what, God is good and God is love and God cares for you, because people need to hear that, 
even ministers need to be ministered to. You know, sometimes you're, you're called to do that for another Christian. Sometimes it's reassurance for someone who's struggling. Those kind words that you didn't even realize they had something going on, but that, that they hear that and they needed to hear that. And sometimes it's a seed for someone who's currently far from God or, or maybe you have to be the one that was there when they made that decision. They say that a person has to be asked or led to God seven times before they finally accept. Often we're one or two or four or five. We aren't always number seven, but it's all important, right? I always feel sorry for these, especially in college football games. It comes down to that last all-important field goal that'll tire win the game. It all rests on him, but didn't it rest on everybody who scored or didn't score during the game, if you think about it? I mean, that guy's going to be the hero. Wouldn't it be cool to be the one that baptized everybody that came through you that needed to know Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely, but is it no less important that you planted the seeds that said, hey, there's something missing from my life? Isn't it just as important to say, hey, I was here and answered their question, or hey, I invited them to church, or hey, I encouraged them to go to a different church? Because you got them on that road that led them to the seventh person or whatever it took for them to accept. Don't sell yourself short, and don't miss that opportunity to be number one or two or five or six or even seven. And like the goodness and generosity you show through your generosity, it doesn't matter as much what the outcome is as it does the spirit in which you gave. Are you sharing your story out of love for them? Okay. If they take that and, and go about their business and aren't changed for the better, that reads no reflection on you, none whatsoever. You've done what you were called to do, and you'll be blessed for your part, part in that. And if you've ministered to someone, they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, heaven celebrates that decision and is pleased with you. If you minister to someone, they choose a different path for themselves, right? God may be heartbroken over that. He'll continue to work at it, but he is still pleased with you. So are you doing your part? And let's assume that you are not specifically called to give away your belongings and become a foreign missionary, although I'll add this disclaimer. If you do feel that calling, I do not want to dissuade you from doing that. I'm just saying if that's not everybody's calling. But there are so many opportunities to share the gospel right here in our own community. As, as we were reminded last week, all things should be done as if working for the Lord. And as such, all things can become a ministry, even if we don't call it that. I believe our community garden is a great example of this. I believe keeping up the building and the grounds are other great examples of work done for the Lord and, his, his, and the people. These are ministries. Serving breakfast at the community center so families can be together, that's a ministry. It can be a ministry. So does your job or do your hobbies put you in a position where you're around others? Then guess what? You have an opportunity to minister. Opportunities for you to share your story, opportunities for you to answer a question or two, and opportunities to be an example of, of Christian living, including, as we learned last week, sharing some of your humanity as well. But some are, are called to these opportunities as a profession, and, and each one of us can, even if we aren't, we can have four tools in our belt to, to take God viral, to be able to share these things. First, I say your first your tool is this. Have your own story and be prepared to share it. Now, that's easy. You already have your own story. I can't write for you your story, and I'm not going to use the word testimony because that's really churchy. You, just have, you have a story. This is how I got to where I am, and you, many of you have heard mine over and over. It's just, just your own story, and, and whatever's happened over the course of your life so far, the good and the bad. In fact, sometimes the bad is the best part of the story when it comes to sharing it because it's a source of inspiration or encouragement or 
or victory. But have you taken the time to prepare like just a two-minute or less answer about who you are? When I say who you are, it, it's not what your name is. It's not your title. It's not your role. It's not your occupation. It's not even your accomplishments. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Who you are is who he says you are, right? And it's a result of his name and a result of his title and the result of his accomplishments. And as a result, we can all say, I am a child of God. I am saved. I am sanctified. I am justified. I am hopeful. All these things through him. Now, how do you say that in your own words with your own story? If you think about it, you've got one. Remember Peter 1, or 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Sometimes you don't have to seek them out. You don't have to knock on the door or walk down the street. Sometimes the opportunity will come and people will just ask you what you think. Are you ready to answer? So second, have a verse or two and share what it means to you and, and why it has meaning. So last Sunday, we talked about this during our morning Bible study. We went over as an example about 20 commonly known verses, and we familiarized ourselves with them. But we picked a few to commit to our memory. And I'm not saying we didn't memorize them. Maybe you did. But rather, understand them and, and practical times when we can draw on them for strength or encouragement. You know, we picked these verses and said, we kind of paraphrase them in our mind and say, okay, I've got this verse in my pocket, and the next time I get discouraged, I'm going to pull out this verse. Next Sunday, we will continue this as we look at an additional 10 verses and some of the most widely known components of the Bible. And I'll encourage you to join us next Sunday morning at 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall as we do this. Again, have a couple of verses in mind that have meaning to you and be prepared to share why they mean something. Third, be prepared to share the good news in a way that is simple, personal, and meaningful to you. Now, this is a little more out there, but this could be the most fun, Okay. It could be a little intimidating because if you want to get hardcore and explain some stuff, you get a little nervous, but there's a lot of fun ways you can do this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you just a couple very simple tools. Uh, you can use these on your own or create your own version or, or just make a mental note of them um, for future. But there's this book called The Wordless Book. Maybe anybody's seen it or heard of it, The Wordless Book. See some heads nodding. Probably from Sunday School or VBS. And it's simply a book. It has five solid colored pages, not a single word. Okay? In fact, that can be some of the fun of it. You, you say something like, I bet I can tell you a story from a book that has no words. And the first page is gold. And you say, the, the gold page, God wants us to be in heaven with him. Very simple lesson. Gold. God wants us in heaven with him. The second is black. Sin separates us from God. The third page is red. Christ died on the cross as the only payment for our sin. And then a white page that says, accept God's forgiveness and the free gift of eternal life. You're cleansed. And the fifth page is like this. It says, grow closer to God every day. So it goes from gold to black to red to white to green. God wants us in heaven, but our sins keep us from him. But Christ died and then we've been cleansed and now we can grow. Very simple. Kids books. They actually, you can make these things with the construction paper. Another one is the Romans Road, and I love this. You guys know it, I think, the Apostle Paul. And this is taken from Paul's letter, and he uses seven passages, and he presents the gospel message, and you'll recognize some of these verses. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were all still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 10.9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.10. For it is with your heart that you believed and you're justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And Romans 10.13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Seven verses. They call it the Roman road. It just goes through this letter and hits the, the high points of the story of the gospel of who God is and why we desire, desire to be him, with him. Seven verses, seven sentences from a letter written to other believers that tell an amazing story. And what is cool about this letter is you can dig deeper and read the sentences between the lines, literally between the lines, and read the entire letter of Paul in Romans. And then read another, and then read another, and make strides towards biblical wisdom and understanding. But I want to share one last one with you, and this is one that uh, I had heard many, many times. Um, and it's good for visual learners. It's based on Paul's letter to Romans, just like we just learned, but it focuses on a single verse. And I'm going to put it on the screen and pass out a page for you. I'm just going to kind of talk you through this. Romans 6.23, which I just read, which is one of the verses that we, we talked about last Sunday morning, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It focuses on that one verse. And, and you draw these two, you can call them a cliff, just two, two areas with a gap in between it. And you circle some of the words. You say, you know, on the left is me, and on the right is God. And over here, you know, I've got wages, the sin, and there's death. And then on God's side, there's this gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In the middle, there's this big but. Okay? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift. So what do we do? Heather, if you'll flip that. What we often try to, and this gets really complicated, but what we often try to do is get across that gap with our works and with our religion and with our money and our relationships. We try to gap that separation with these things and, and these verses on the left here tell you you know what's good about them but why they don't get you all the way across right one more Heather if you would but when we draw the cross in because it says but it says but Jesus Christ is the way and so you can drop this cross and it fits perfectly it becomes this bridge to get you from where you are to where God is and I like this little, you know, image I found online. It's like someone was probably sitting there over coffee and then sketch this thing out. Go one more if you would, Heather. How about this? This is written on the back of a napkin. Look how simple it is to draw and how simple it is. And even if you never share it, understand it for yourself. We're on one side. God is over here. And because of God's perfect, sinless nature, he can't come to our side. He is real close. He is right there. But we need to turn, we need to lean on him, and that way is through Jesus. And this page I gave you is kind of an explanation of this thing. And it's, like I said, if you never use it as a, an evangelism tool, you know, use it for yourself to understand some of the basic principles of, of the consequences of, of our choices and the benefits of them as well. So we've looked at the first three. Have your own story and be prepared to share it. Have a verse or two and share what it means to you and why it has meaning. And then we've talked about be prepared to share the good news in a way that is simple, personal, and meaningful to you. So fourth, the last tool I'm going to propose is encourage them to make the decision for themselves. 
For this, I need to share another lesson I learned in college. And this isn't like that bird leg story that I shared that you guys laughed at. I have it on tape. You guys laughed. You're shaking your head at me like you disapprove. But even the Fifth Sunday people liked it, and they'd only heard it once. So, But this one's actually true. So this was a sales and marketing class, and it's a story of Henry Ford, and he had just come into his success, and one of his best friends was an insurance salesman. Okay, And, and Henry Ford was making what was a lot of money at the time. And, and when it came time to buy some life insurance, Henry Ford bought it from someone else. And his friend came to him and said, why didn't you buy that from me? I don't understand. He said, well, you never asked. Okay. So it takes a call to action. And this is, again, marketing 101 that says, don't just give them information, but ask. Ask them to call. You know, sale ends tomorrow, call now, put some urgency in there. So it's the same thing. You may have noticed each week I include at least one call to action, and usually it's several. It'll be a challenge or what I call a risky prayer or asking to hear from you or, or your church family if we can help for you in any way with your faith journey. And, and I want to continue this practice because it's very important. So I've already said it. My challenge for you this week was earlier in the message. I said that, you know, several churches have this sign as, as you leave, it says you are now entering the mission field. And I said, I challenge you to take that perspective this week and go about your daily life and view it as an opportunity to be obedient to the instructions that we just read. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I challenge you to look for those opportunities. And my risky prayer is this, that those opportunities will abound for you. And you take God's message viral to share it broadly and exponentially. I am so excited that there's going to be so many opportunities for you that I just hope you're almost overwhelmed with a chance to say and show and be Christian. And of course, I do want to remind you how important it is that you don't leave this place the same as when you came. That you are in some way changed for the better by participating in worship this morning. Uh, by the scripture that we've read, the message you've heard, the awkward songs that we tried to do. And if you need to take action this morning, if, if you need to come forward after service, if you need a special prayer, if you need to reach out to me or someone in the church sometime this week and say, I'm really struggling with this, I'm really worried about this, or I'm really happy about this. Well, hey, we take joys, right? That's our church fulfilling its mission, its purpose that God created for you. So let us support you in that way. It's a blessing for us as well. Let me end with that thought and pray. Father God, you call us to share the gospel. And we call that evangelism, but that word can just not sit right. But if we were to say, God, I have a story to tell, and that's something I'm excited about because I love you and I love what you've done in my life. And, and even the rough parts, I love what you've done with them and what you plan to do and your promise. God, let us look at it that way. And just be so excited to share that news with people around us. And if we don't share it verbally, let people see it through our actions. That 93% of unspoken words, if people say, that person is at peace and love and confidence. And I want some of that for me. And so when they ask, let us be prepared to give the answer for the hope we have. Father God, as always, I want to thank you for this beautiful building, this beautiful environment and community that we find ourselves in. God, you have a very specific purpose for us here, and that is to spread your word in this community and help us to do our part. And God, as always, I want to be thankful for the empty places and the pews, the reminder that they serve. There are people that are seeking you, and there are rooms 
there is room for that invitation. And let us not miss a single opportunity to share that. Father God, we give this entire service to you. May it be pleasing and honoring to you in every way. Amen.